and welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and this week we are covering the pilot episode of Angie Tribeca, the police procedural spoof created by the husband and wife team of Steve Carell and Nancy Walls. And joining me this week to help break it all down is another husband and wife team, uh, Kevin and Sarah. Guys, welcome. Thanks. Thanks. Glad to be here, although... You know partners never work for me, so we'll see how this go. <laughs> uh, now, now, like I said, this week we watched uh, Angie Tribeca, the first episode, uh, just entitled Pilot. It originally aired on TBS on January 14th, 2016, as part of a 25-hour marathon in which the entire first season aired five times. A very interesting experiment, kind of like uh, a hybrid of Netflix and broadcast television. Now, did either of you guys catch that when, when they had that marathon? Uh, I caught a little bit of it. Um, it was actually probably two or three minutes of, uh, I think, the sixth episode, the one with uh, Keegan-Michael Key. Okay. Oh. And it, it was the scene where his character's introduced, and uh, <laughs> his character's name was Helmut Frontboot. <laughs> and it's spelled F-R-O-N-T-B-U-T. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, you know, I just started laughing and I turned it off because I was like, okay, I got to start this from the beginning. I don't want to start <laughs> part way in, you know? Right, right. Yeah, it's a, it's a really, really goofy show. It's very, very funny. I, I, I did not watch any of that marathon. I was too afraid that I was going to catch it somewhere in the middle. And I, I always just kind of want to watch it from the beginning. So I, I purposely didn't watch any of it. Uh, unfortunately, I should have DVR'd the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't know anything about it. It just happened to be on when I turned on the TV, and that was the scene. And, you know, it happened to be on TBS for whatever reason. And, yeah, it was just, I, I was just, yeah, it cracking up. <laughs> now, uh, an another interesting uh, handling of this show is that it was renewed uh, just before it actually aired one episode so like even before season one premiered they said more was coming yeah and uh actually in a november 2015 la times article uh they, they talked about how tbs had announced that the as of yet unaired show angie tribeca has been renewed for an unpre uh, unprecedented 10 seasons <laughs> yes seasons <laughs> not episodes uh, with each season consisting of one single episode and each uh, episode will be a half hour, giving the viewer a season premiere and season finale in one really tight package. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that alone should kind of give you an idea that you're in for something that's going to be, you know, just nonstop jokes, 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 jokes. Yeah. Quality work. Yeah, so uh, evidently TBS, they were very much in favor of this project, especially since, you know, a big name like Steve Carell was involved. In fact, he's he's actually really involved, you know, in looking into the show. Uh, in addition to co-creating uh, the show with his wife Nancy Walls, who was a an SNL alum, he uh, also uh, co-wrote and uh, directed some episodes, including the episode that we watched. In preparation for this episode, I was reading an interview uh, with Rashida Jones in uh, Paste Magazine, and uh, you know, Rashida Jones, of course, playing the title character Angie Tribeca. She, uh, she was talking about working with Steve Carell, and she said, fortunately, Steve's a better boss than a fake boss. It's, <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, a reference to her time on The Office, but uh, it's really funny. And just, uh, they were mentioning, too, I think Nancy Walls in that 
uh, piece was talking about how Rashida Jones has all these celebrity connections, and she was definitely uh, big on, uh, or played a big part in getting a lot of those uh, celebrity cameos. Like you mentioned, Keegan Michael Key and uh, Bill Murray is in there, and James Franco, yeah. and uh, of course there'll there'll be some in this episode as well. But uh, yeah, this is like really packed with stars. To kind of go with her being able to like get people involved uh her she actually comes from a very famous family um her father is quincy jones and actually in it's not in this episode but in one of the other episodes her parents and um in the show are her real life parents that play her part (laughs) of her parents in the episode i thought that was pretty cool that's great yeah that and quincy jones is really talented too so oh sure (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty funny yeah, just, uh, that's definitely a, uh, a pair of celebrities she was able to get. Or yeah. you would hope. <laughs> right. But, okay, uh, j- we'll, we'll be in your little project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. You really want to have this name attached to it? Sure. <laughs> but uh, aside from the, the celebrities, it is so joke dense. Like, just yeah. in watching this, it was unbelievable. It's like in the very much in the spirit of, you know, the show Police Squad, and then, of course, it's more famous feature films, the Naked Gun trilogy. It just, uh, so much in that spirit of, uh, of comedy. So hilarious. Yeah. And I, I absolutely love that show and, you know, the, those movies. So I, it's, when I realized it was that type of show, I was like, I instantly hooked. Yeah. It's got, uh, a great rating on Rotten Tomatoes and, uh, and IMDb. It's just, uh, a lot of people respond to it. And it's so funny to see everything played out so seriously. You know, it's not... It's, it's very goofy, but, uh, you know, this is, uh, it's played very seriously, just like in the Naked Gun movies with Frank Drebin, you know, that's mm-hmm. a serious detective on a case, and that's exactly what we get here. Yeah, it's, one of my notes was that, it was, you know, just that I love, you know, how serious they take this very, just completely absurd <laughs> show. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those shows where if you blink, you definitely will miss something. Definitely. Yep. Yeah, and, and even going back and uh, re-watching this episode, you know, preparing for, for doing this podcast, there was stuff, you know, that, that we were catching uh, when we went back. And uh, <laughs> one that we'll get to uh, a little bit later, I caught, like, only because I paused the episode at the, like, exact perfect moment. <laughs> I swear we'd go back and watch it now and catch up on uh, some other jokes that oh, probably, we just totally yeah. missed. Yeah. Yeah, Rashida Jones said, uh, I hope that there's so many jokes per episode that you can't watch it one time. You have to go back and see what you missed. And that's uh, <laughs> definitely true. Yep. I wonder if it's scripted or like some of it is scripted. You know, like some of the dialogue that they can do. Does it have to be that kind or? Oh, like kind of like how the league, they have like a, a, a loose, like they have, uh, it's, it's almost like improv. Like they have a beginning and an ending of the scene and yeah. it's you know, maybe like one or two lines and just how they get from one to the other, you know, it's up to them on the fly. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a mix, but yeah. the, uh, the jokes are, are so, uh, you know, tightly written. I, right. I, I bet you there's a lot of things that they, they have to stick to the script on, like the all due respect, as we'll get into. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way you could do that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's get right into this episode. Uh, we, we start with a, uh, a cold open in a darkened apartment. It's currently 4.44 a.m., and as the alarm clock turns to 4.45, we see this hand come out from the pile of blankets on the bed and hit the snooze. And uh, from there, we cut to Angie Tribeca, of course, played by Rashida Jones, and she's beginning her day. 
uh, running on a treadmill and... Uh, Were those men feet on the treadmill? I couldn't tell. I'm not sure. Because, yeah. We, we definitely get some uh, man hands, yeah. as Seinfeld would put it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, very much man hands. <laughs> She's doing all kinds of crazy exercises to begin her day. It was almost like, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, like an upside down door frame sit up. It's like, I have no idea what they're called. Yeah. <laughs> some intense training. I know I don't do them, whatever they are. <laughs> I just say, mm, that looks good. Nope. No, thank you. She, uh, she goes even more intense than that. We see her throwing knives and ninja stars and then uh, just just a backpack full of tools. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, doing a chin up on the shower curtain bar. and <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, I yeah, would absolutely you, kill myself. You think that this training montage ends like three times, but every time it ends, she starts something new. So, like, yeah, yeah she'll, she was uh, kicking her fridge until it's dented and uh, kicking balloons and popping them and just, like... <laughs> going crazy on a watermelon she finally stops to take a shower and then they show her doing like pull-ups on the shower rod <laughs> <laughs> whipping things off the sink with towels yeah those are nunchucks yes yeah. <laughs> so finally we we cut to her dressed and she's putting on all of her holsters and badge as well as a knife and then this huge bow and arrow that she's like <laughs> is attempting to slip into the back of her belt it's it's very very funny and uh, as we see her leave her apartment, she's greeted by this whole team of workers that are about to enter her apartment with supplies for, uh, I guess, the next day's training. Yeah, because if you look like, you know, they've got like the watermelon and like balloons and like basically all the stuff that she's destroyed. Like they're all there. There's <laughs> a guy with a new refrigerator door. Yep. And like if you notice the window in the background, it's like broad daylight out at this point when she's finally, you know, done with her workout and leaving. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like at least a two-hour training session. And we, we, get, we see a handyman or, or something named Ron, which says, mm -hmm. you go get him, Angie Tribeca. <laughs> so uh, from here, we immediately cut to the show's title. And then we go to a police uh, officer taping off a crime scene as the coroner arrives. And uh, Angie pulls up and meets the medical examiner, Dr. Monica Scholes. This is... Uh, Dr. Scholes, <laughs> played by Andre Vermulen. And this was the point where uh, I paused it to, to write something down and happened to catch on the side of the police car. It said, to protect and secure and to help with other things. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, I did not catch at all, you know, like the first, well, time and a half that, mm -hmm. you know, we had gone through it. And it was only because I rewound it a little bit and then paused it to write something down <laughs> that I actually noticed that on the screen. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, you had sent me a picture of that as you were doing your note-taking, and I, I definitely would not have noticed that. So, of course, after that, anytime there was, like, a poster on the wall or something, <laughs> we were hitting pause to see what it said. Yeah, it's great that they take the time and care to, you know, fill this thing with jokes, not only in the dialogue, but in the set design and all these sight gags. It's great. So, uh... So Dr. Schultz walks Angie over to this this poor lady and her, they, they, they say maybe late 90s, early 100s. <laughs> She's next to a, some bags of groceries, and uh, they, they think she was either shot to death or smothered by a pillow. They just, they're not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it turns out she was neither. She's perfectly fine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, uh, Dr. Scholes is like talking about, all right, we've got to get her to the lab to cut her open. And as she's saying these things, the lady sits up and just is like, hello, could someone please help me up? 
<laughs> and then the rookie cop comes in and sees, you know, the body and just starts throwing up. <laughs> and and the, the lady is just like, is he okay? <laughs> and they just put like a white sheet over her so he doesn't see her anymore. And Angie tells, you know, the rookie cop, oh, you got to get it out. And, you know, you'll get used to it, unfortunately. <laughs> it's just like all the, uh, you know, the cop cliches are all thrown in here. So, so as she finishes that sentence, we see that uh, Angie puts on a pair of sunglasses and we hear this, this scream. This, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just an absolutely <laughs> brutal, you know, CSI Miami parody. Oh, yeah. Blatant ripoff. <laughs> and uh, when it comes back from that, you actually still see the cop who's doing the screaming. Yes. <laughs> And uh, his he actually has a name in the show, and it's Screaming Cop Dave. Oh, really? Yep. yep. He's oh, in like great. six episodes. So from here, we cut to the uh, Los Angeles Police Department headquarters, and inside we see officers DJ Tanner and David Hoffman. <laughs> I love the names of this. It's so great. Uh, played by Dion Cole, who is a, uh, a former uh, writer for Conan, a stand-up comedian, and uh, Jagger the Dog. That's who uh, is playing David Hoffman. I love the, giving the dog a, a man's name. <laughs> and a badge. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yeah. He's, a, he's an officer, full-fledged officer. With a smile. Yes. Yes. Were those fake teeth, or did they just train the dog to smile? Like I have no idea. They looked kind of fake, but... Yeah. Oh, I thought they looked the other I, way. I mean, I have no idea. They look like real teeth. It's hard to tell, but yeah, it's hilarious, this dog. I believe he drives in later episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Just does everything that a cop can do. So they, they approach Angie at her desk to tell her that her boss, this is the uh, Lieutenant uh, Chet Atkins, played by Jerry Burns, uh, that, you know, he wants to see her and he doesn't look happy. And this is where she's like, well, he never looks happy. And they all share this very long laugh. And this is where we, we see the, the German Shepherd David Hoffman also give them a smile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and... Uh... Jerry Burns has a uh, local connection for us uh, as he was a Cape Cod lifeguard in between high school and college. Yeah, very interesting. I saw you try to reach out to him on Twitter before this recording to see if he could say exactly where, but uh, I guess he just checks his Twitter once every month or so. Yeah. <laughs> of course, Jerry Burns, did you guys ever see when I was young, I was like really little, I'd always see like Dear John. Do you guys remember that show? Yes. No. It's uh, it was a Judd Hirsch sitcom about uh, I guess a what a, a divorced man who was like a group therapy session that he goes to regularly. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't one I regularly watched, but yeah, it was occasionally on. You know, like over when I was over at like my grandmother's house. I was gonna say my grandparents. That's where I would watch it. Yep. And yeah, then my the, grandmother uh, stuck with the uh, Golden Girls. That's all. Oh yeah, well, that's a great show. <laughs> that still holds up. Jerry Burns was also on a, a sitcom I used to see, like on USA in the mornings on reruns, like when I'd be on school vacation. It was a, a show called Something So Right, where he's in a uh, a, a large family. Just, to, you know, he's been around. He's been on, on TV a lot. Mm -hmm. So uh, Angie steps into Lieutenant Atkins' office, and there she's introduced to her new partner, Jay Giles. <laughs> <laughs> Played by Hayes MacArthur. Just re really funny. Yes, and he's partner 237 for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of backstory we're not getting here. <laughs> you wonder what happened uh, to the previous uh, 236. 
But uh, you know, Angie is just totally opposed to the idea of having a partner. And uh, this is our with all due respect scene where they all just, with all due respect. <laughs> with all due respect. <laughs> I should pull that out and work sometime. That would be pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, you can pretty much say whatever you want as long as you just say it, with all due respect. Right. We even get the line here, uh, Jay Giles says, you know, with all due respect, sir, I feel very disrespected right now. Yes. <laughs> and then they yell at him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, despite all of this, Atkins, you know, tells them that they're partnered and they get their first case. And this is, you know, if you're really trying to follow this as a show, I mean, this is just so silly. But uh, what, what's happening is that the mayor is being blackmailed, and the two of them must now go down to City Hall. So he hands Angie the folder, and, you know, Giles is like, oh, can I have a folder too? <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love that line. <laughs> but he, he gives him one. Lieutenant Atkins gives him a folder, and he says, hey, I'm tough, but I'm fair. <laughs> So, from here we cut to uh, Tribeca and Giles driving to City Hall in a blue Ford Flex. And uh, there's no question as to whether that was a Ford or not. Yes. Right. <laughs> as you get a giant Ford logo that pops up on screen. <laughs> and it's the only one in the commercials. Like, anytime they do the cutscene, yep. it, it's for a Ford. And it's a different Ford. Yes. The, the car <laughs> keeps changing every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually missed that. You did? I did. Wow. I, oh, no I, way. Yeah. Yeah, it not only changes model, but changes color in every yeah. scene. That's great. Yeah, I like I, the red one. I, I did not miss the giant Ford logo popping up on oh, the screen. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> How could you? Yeah, it, it's kind of funny. It, it is poking fun at the blatant advertisement, you know, in primetime dramas. Or Like, I think uh, when I used to watch uh, 24, it's like Jack Bauer only drove Fords or Chevys. I can't even remember. But, uh, you know, so a lot of these shows, they will only drive one type of car. Right. If it's Fords, then the, all the Chevys that appear in the show have, like, no logo on the front. You know, somehow <laughs> they, their logos were lifted. And so, you know, it's actually blatantly advertising to us while poking fun at it. So, you know, I don't know how to feel about it because they are definitely just shoving it in our face as a parody, but in real life as well. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, actually, the movie, uh, was it Josie and the Pussycats, did, yes. did the exact same thing. Oh, really? And we uh, we got into, like, a sneak preview of the movie, like, uh, when they were just showing it to uh, test audiences. Uh -huh. And, you know, afterwards, they basically were asking everybody, like, what did you think about this? What did you think about that? And half the people there were just like, oh, there was so much product placement. And I just started laughing. I was like, guys, that was the joke. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good movie. Yeah. A bad movie, but yeah. a good movie. <laughs> Star-studded. Yep. Yes. Oh, man. That's funny, though. But yeah, so it kind of like, you, you, they have to walk that fine line of, you know, well, we are actually getting money from Ford. At least, you know, you assume they are for what, that kind of advertising they're doing here. But uh, yeah, I would hope. <laughs> but they are definitely hitting us over the head with... Uh, that it's Ford, but uh, in a funny way. But yeah, me missing that it was a different car and different color and all that just kind of shows you like you can go back and watch this multiple times and, you know, see something new. Like So it, if I go back and watch it again, you know, I'm going to be keeping an eye out for that. <laughs> yes. Now we, uh, we cut to the interior of the car and, you know, Tribeca is warning Giles that she does not like partners, especially ones that, you know, they, they try to get personal and they try to talk about their messed up childhoods and all this stuff. So 
from right from here, we cut once again to the exterior of the car, and we'll get, of course we get the giant Ford logo again, and they park in front of City Hall, and as they get out, we hear Angie just going on and on about some sort of diarrhea episode that she had. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, I, I just asked you to roll down the window. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So uh, now the two walk up the stairs and they head into what's uh, the Los Angeles City Hall. This is a beautiful building. Yep. With a lovely uh, hot dog cart in the uh, atrium. Yeah. Oh, yeah. right. I forgot about that. <laughs> Big hot dog shaped hot dog cart. Yep. <laughs> there was a little confusion, I, I think, when the show started as to, well, her name is Tribeca. Is this going to be a New York show? You know, like in, in like Law and Order and stuff like that. But no, this is just just happens to be your name, and this is very much a uh, a California show. <laughs> and you do get the the Law and Order type, you know, dun dun, like yes. <laughs> constantly, <laughs> which it's is very funny. Every reference in the book. So uh, upon arriving at the mayor's offices, they're met by a security guard at the desk, and he's asking asking them like personal questions as some sort of screening process before letting them in, like they're their pets' names and things. <laughs> Which was one of the questions that Angie said she absolutely did not want to know Jay Giles' you know, pet name. So, of course, that's one of the questions that gets oh, asked. <laughs> I didn't catch that. And what was it? Mr. Cat was his cat's name? Yep, Mr. Cat. No. <laughs> no, that was hers. His was Eleanor, um, El Eleanor, Eleanor Rose Roosevelt. Yeah. Okay. Hers was Mr. Whiskers or something Mr. like Cat. that. Mr. Cat. Mr. Cat, that's it. <laughs> And did you catch the look that the security guard gives the camera after he decides they can go in? Yes. He just kind of looks at the camera and it's just like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> well, there's there's an interesting story behind that. Do you know who that is? Uh, I wrote it down somewhere, but I... Uh, do, 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 I can't find it in my notes. Uh, you'll have to remind me. That is uh, Eric Garcetti. He is the current mayor of Los Angeles. Oh. Really? Yes. Huh. They wow. got the mayor of L.A. to play the mayor of L.A.'s security, so that's why he kind of, like, takes a Rubik's Cube out and starts playing with it. He looks at the camera like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's great. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah, it all makes I, sense now. Yeah, I wrote down his name, but, you know, like, one of those, like, what else has he been in? You know, there's got to be some reason for this. And right, I right. just never went back to figure it out. <laughs> that's well, awesome. He, he was so good. Like, he was a good actor that you wouldn't think, well, this guy, you know, is a politician or, you know or not a non-actor in some way he, he played it so well and that look like you said was perfect yeah that's <laughs> awesome so in inside the mayor's office we see mayor joe perry and uh <laughs> he's played by of course the wedding singer villain matthew glaive and uh he's telling them that someone has photos of him without his shirt on and they're trying to blackmail him and uh, he then takes off his shirt, and we see these very embarrassing tattoos all over his chest and arms, featuring, I don't know, I guess you, you could say that they're like very tacky and crude bumper sticker style slogans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although one, uh, one of his arms does say, I'm probably going to burp soon. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. I didn't see that one. <laughs> uh, and then he also has the California flag on there as well. Yeah. And the rest of them are, you know, a little more... Risque. <laughs> yes, yes. Something that he probably would not want photos of. But uh, yeah, I love there a lot of text. A lot of, yes. A lot of words in like Comic Sans font and everything. It's just uh, <laughs> very embarrassing. And I loved like before he reveals that he's being blackmailed with photos and they're, they're asking him, you know, like, did you do this? Did you that? Did you hump a dolphin? And he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, no, <laughs> just very no. <laughs> yes, adamant and quick denial that keeps yeah. going on and on. <laughs> and he talks about the only people that could be blackmailing him are his wife or his mistress, because they're the only two that's seen him without his shirt off. <laughs> Except and, for those other people. <laughs> yeah, because and then when he thinks about it, oh yeah, he also poses nude for a drawing class every Wednesday at Verdugo Valley College. <laughs> Which I, I had to look up because I'm like, is there really a place Verdugo Valley? Verdugo is Spanish for uh, executioner. Oh, but uh, I don't. I did not really see any connection here. I don't know why that was thrown in there, but that—that's why there's that name. But anyway, um, Angie hears all of this. So there's a wife, a mistress, and who knows how many college students and professors. But now Angie wants to start with the wife. <laughs> so, so from here we cut to Tribeca and Giles. They're exiting in a different Ford SUV. We get the Ford logo and website and. Once again, Angie is going on and on about this very personal story. It's some, somehow involving syphilis. We're not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing with, with the blackmail is that it's for $4,000. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> and to which he says, I don't have that kind of money. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, oh, just, uh, just to go back to that point where, you know, Angie was saying that very personal story, and Giles was like, I just asked you to roll the window down for this one. Uh, she's talking about some sort of, uh, you know, ailment that she had, and Giles is like, for the record, I just asked if you've ever been to Edmonton. <laughs> crazy off-the-wall dialogue here. And uh, So the two then knock on the door of a very large house looking for Mrs. Perry. And uh, as we can see by this house, yeah, I think they have $4,000 to spare. Probably. <laughs> Maybe so, under the couch cushions. <laughs> it uh, We see that a shirtless Scandinavian houseboy enter, answers the door. His name is Luge, according to uh, IMDb. <laughs> and Giles quickly becomes fed up with this man for some reason. Like he really... Immediately, he says, I've had enough of your lip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got a clip-on tie, too. That was the first thing I noticed. I just saw it go, like, launching across. I was like, wait! <laughs> I suppose clip-on ties are good to have when, when you know you're going to get in fight. Yeah. Yeah, they're easy to and rip off and no one can uh, strangle you with them, I guess. Yep. Yeah, so they they go right at it at each other, fighting and... Uh, Slapping uh, each other and... <laughs> yeah, some nipple twisting and yep. wrestling. And so they're just, they're just fighting in the yard. So at this point, Mrs. Perry now, uh, played, of course, by the show's co-creator, uh, Nancy Walls, uh, she answers the door. And inside, Mrs. Perry tells Angie that all of those tattoos are just, you know, part of her husband's past. That's not who he is now. And then uh, then she offers Angie some food items. <laughs> <laughs> and more food items. And more food items. And more food items. <laughs> Angie, of course, you know, politely declining each as it gets more and more ridiculous. Yeah, She just... does accept. Eventually, yep. Finally, yeah. So it starts off as, what, tea? Yes. And then a tray of cream-filled donuts, like yep. a big tray of cream-filled yeah. donuts, like a pyramid of them. And then uh, baby back ribs. <laughs> Which she helps herself to, you know, she's like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> even if Angie's not having them, you know, she's like, <laughs> she's sitting there eating them, it's all over her face. Right. Which she, which she clarifies too, baby back ribs from a pig. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so as Mrs. Perry is chowing down on this pork rib, she's got sauce all over her face. 
she's explaining that she has access to all of her husband's accounts anyway, so there's really no reason why she would try to blackmail him for, for money. And, uh, yeah, this is where she now offers Angie this huge hero, which uh, she does accept and takes a giant bite from. So now Angie has, like, sauce all over her face. <laughs> and then a chunk falls out of the sandwich, which was <laughs> even funnier. <laughs> Uh, and now Angie's talking with her mouth full and asking why she would bother staying married to the mayor if they no longer loved each other. How and, dare you accuse me of loving my husband? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh, after taking now a bite of cotton candy, uh, Mrs. Perry replies that her and her husband have this arrangement in which both of them can have their own playthings. And of course, Angie thinks, oh, you're referring to your Scandinavian houseboy, but Mrs. Perry clarifies by pointing out into the yard, and we see all of these, like, little girls' toys. There's, like, a big pink clubhouse and pink power wheels and those, like, uh, ponies or those horses that go up and down you'd see in front of a store. <laughs> and meanwhile, you know, Luge and Giles are still slapping and fighting each other in the background. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> It, uh, so this is actually the first time that Mrs. Perry hears about her husband's mistress because Angie's, you know, saying, oh, well, you know, you have your guy and your husband has a mistress and she never knew about that. So she's quite upset and she starts, you know, crying into her giant, uh, I don't know, cloud of cotton candy she has in front of her. <laughs> the jokes are so quick. You have to pay attention because you blink and they're gone. Yeah, definitely a whole lot of, did you catch that? Did you catch that? <laughs> Skip it back. <laughs> Yeah, and it shows, like, you know, why you would need uh, that marathon where they replay the whole season a few times, you know. It, it does reward repeated viewings, like, much like Arrested Development and, and shows like that. So, uh, back in the SUV, uh, Angie is now disappointed in her meeting with the mayor's wife. It really didn't go anywhere. And she now wants to see what they can get out of the mistress. And as the camera pans over in the scene, we see mm -hmm. that Giles and, and, and Luge are just furiously wrestling in the back seat now. <laughs> and from here we cut to black and to commercial so at this point the show takes a commercial break so why don't we take this opportunity to take a commercial break of our own we will pay some bills and we'll be right back you know I like podcasts just as much as the next guy, but sometimes those podcasts where they break down and analyze different things they're just too complicated what I need is someone that can explain those to me. Well, my friend, you are in luck, because coming soon to a podcast network near you... Best way to start your day is by Hello and welcome to Hitting Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. Wow, thanks commercial guy. You are quite welcome, my simple friend. Stay tuned for this and other new exciting shows coming soon to the Hitting Play Network. And we're back. Okay, so when we return now, we see that Tribeca and Giles are in the apartment of the, of the mayor's mistress, this is Monica Vivacor, played by, of course, Lisa Kudrow. And uh, Angie's kind of explaining the extortion investigation to her, and Monica's just kind of like puffing from her very long e-cigarette holder and, uh, and is replying to uh, Angie in increasingly less clever innuendo. <laughs> <laughs> 
And again, this is one of those jokes that absolutely cracked me up because it goes on for way too long. Yes. And, you know, it's just kind of one of those, it's funny. Okay, it's less funny, but now it's becoming fun. It's coming back around and being funny because they're dragging it out for so long, which (laughs) I I always love that kind of joke. Yes. It's going to hit that sweet spot, though. Yep. Yeah, and Angie calls Monica out after all this. She's like, you never had an affair with the mayor. If you watch Giles during this whole thing, anytime she like blows smoke, he's just like fascinated by it. Just like watching the smoke float through the air. It's very funny. Yeah, he's he he keeps commenting on that e-cigarette, like, oh, you really are health conscious and was it? he wants to recommend it to his nephew and I thought they were going somewhere with that, but no, I guess it's just his own fascination with the device. Yeah, yeah. And when you know, they finally, you know, decide she didn't actually have an affair with him. It's, you know, they're grilling her over, okay, what's the tattoo that he has on his back? Yeah. <laughs> and did you catch what the, uh, what the tattoo was? Oh, yes. It's a, uh, <laughs> it's a picture of a sheep. Yes, a picture of a sheep. And it says, that's what sheep said. <laughs> and of course, Which... knowing that Steve Carell wrote this. Uh, it's a nice little nod to, of course, Michael Scott's very famous catchphrase from The Office. That's what she said. Yep. Of course, had to put that back on television. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, Monica just keeps going on. I was writing, writing down some of these guesses, but it's just this huge list of, oh, yeah, it was a shamrock. No, a uh, butterfly with <laughs> ivy and a little unicorn. A unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she also guesses a four-leaf clover, because even though shamrock was wrong, she thought maybe it was a four-leaf clover. Mm-hmm. I caught that. <laughs> so finally, after all this grilling, Monica admits, no, they just made out in high school once. And Tribeca and Giles are like, well, forget it. So they leave. So uh, now we cut to the outside and they get into another type of Ford SUV. And uh, of course, we get the Ford logo and website once again. Giles doesn't understand why she would lie about having this affair with the mayor. But Angie explains, well, it's because of his weird tattoos. The mayor needed another story to throw people off, so he probably just asked, you know, his high school girlfriend to pose as his mistress, and it was all just this diversion that he was creating. And meanwhile, while they're having this discussion, they're just, you know, inches from each other's face. (laughs) Yeah, very weird moment here. They're like closing in on one another, they start to remove the gum from their mouths, They, they lean into each other for a kiss, and then they back off, put the gum back in their mouths. And then take the gum out of their mouths. Yeah, they do it in. again. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, they they put their seatbelts on. Finally, they go into kiss for almost a. It was a third time, but then they back off again, and then finally they decide to go, but n- not before Giles has to squeegee all of the steam off of the windshield. <laughs> <laughs> Quick fogging up the car. <laughs> It's almost like uh, like those shows like Moonlighting with the two detectives, you know, there was like that that will they won't they type of story and it's like yeah, they're they're even making fun of that here. Yep. Yeah. So from here we cut to the coroners, which we see the sign for the Coroner Forensics Gift Shop. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you notice the marquee on the sign, it, it's scrolling but it says serving man since 1882. I did see that, yeah. Strange. So, uh, so we cut inside to the coroner's lab. Uh, Dr. Schwolz is quite surprised that uh, placing the blackmail note under the magnifying glass actually makes the print larger. And then when she moves it away, it gets smaller again. How about that? That's crazy. <laughs> it's funny how those things work. <laughs> and in the background, did you see the old lady from earlier in the episode? Yep. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> the poor lady, she's now being pushed into the, I guess, the refrigeration units where they store the bodies. And as she's being pushed in, she kind of like waves and says, good night, Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> so now into the room uh, enters Dr. Edelweiss, played by Alfred Molina. Who you may know as being Dr. Octopus in yes. Spider-Man 2. And uh, he's in an electric wheelchair, apparently has no use of his limbs. Which I loved as, you know, being a joke going along with the Dr. Octopus, where, you know, Dr. Octopus has all these extra limbs, and then Dr. Edelweiss has none. <laughs> <laughs> or so we think. Right, right. <laughs> yes, Giles, you know, introduces himself, tries to shake his hand, and, you know, Edelweiss explains, well, you know, I can't do that. And Giles, you know, apologizes, and then he tells him, well, there's no need to apologize because you didn't do it. And then he did asks, you? Did you? Yeah. <laughs> Gives him that cold stare. Dude, very, very funny. So Scholes shows him the blackmail note, and Adelweiss is excited to take a look. He hops out of his chair, and he just casually walks over. So I evidently can use all of his limbs. Just kind of a, a strange introduction to that character. <laughs> <laughs> and he asks her, were there any fingerprints? Yeah. <laughs> to which she replies, no, I wiped them all off. <laughs> <laughs> The blackmail letter, it's basically placed in what appears to be, you know, like one of those crane machines you'd normally see stuffed with toys and stuffed animals. I despise those games. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, the claw machine, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I used to love, there was one at the uh, the Hyannis Kmart that I just mastered. It was, I you know, I think they can set the pressure on those claws, and for some reason this thing was perfect. Like, you could just pick up almost anything, and I... I used to bring home stuffed animals every time we go to Kmart. Nice. <laughs> Free <Yeah>. prize inside. <laughs> I think I sold them all off at a yard sale too. <laughs> so I got my money back. But anyway, so um, Edelweiss is trying to pick up the letter with the metal claw. So we're not really making any sense here, but of course he's unsuccessful. Finally, he gets a, a, a hold of a toy helicopter and then like a stuffed penguin and a snake and then finally he gets the letter. And I guess all that he was trying to do is pick it up so it could be magnified on a screen. <laughs> Very strange. And uh, now we finally get our first look at the letter. Did you guys read this this yes. letter? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it basically says if they don't get the $4,000, they're going to post pictures of the tattoos on LinkedIn. Yes, LinkedIn. <laughs> and, and to leave the money behind a tree. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just any tree, I suppose. Yeah, really. And, yeah. and I love the uh, the the beginning of the letter is, Mr. Mayor, you are a bad, dirty man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you get the classic, you know, police procedural, zoom in, enhance. Yes. <laughs> Make look big. Yes. Yes. And so Edelweiss is doing his analysis here, and he notices that the T's are crossed haphazardly. And that's, of course, the work of a desperate person. And he also discerns from the B's and D's that the, the writer is someone in dire financial need. So, uh, oh no, and also the, the spaces between the words show a lack of respect for authority. So Angie's kind of listening to this and re reciting the analysis back to him. So she says, okay, so the person who wrote this letter is desperate enough to blackmail the mayor for money. And Edelweiss is like, well, it's a simplification, but yes, I suppose. <laughs> so we next cut to the LAPD gym. <laughs> and uh, here we see all these officers, they're working out and training, and there's uh, all kinds of banners. Did you catch any of those, Kevin? Yep, yep. Uh, if you run, you'll only go to jail tired. 
<laughs> and was one of them. And uh, let's see. That's the only one I saw. Oh, okay. And the other one that was, uh, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. So, uh, yeah. And so we, we get these cops training and one of them, I don't know what you'd call that game, but like hot hands, I think we used to call it in elementary oh, school. Oh, yeah. Yep. You kind of put your hands on top of the other person's hands and they have to like slap them. The reason I do that. <laughs> so I don't know how much training that does, but uh, anyway, they go to the gym to play it. And then uh, we, we see another guy uh, practicing his uh, his boxing. And yes, the, the dog holding the bag for him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yes. With little boxing gloves on. Yep. Adorable. <laughs> <laughs> and the dog, you know, does a good job. He holds on to that bag while, uh, you know, Dion Cole is, you know, punching it. Not hard, of course. There is. You know, the dog is holding it, but you can see the, the dog is kind of looking, you know, like, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's also uh, an officer practicing, you know, boxing while the, uh, the other officer holds up those pads for him to punch. And uh, I guess the, <laughs> the officer ha- is fed up and he kind of like knees the guy in the groin. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so now we, we cut to uh, Tribeca and Giles boxing in a boxing ring. I don't know if police gyms have those, but uh, this one does. Yep. And so they're kind of like talking about the case as they're boxing. And, uh, you know, and when I say boxing, I mean, Giles is just getting nailed in the face repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> and so basically from this dialogue, we get that Angie is ruling out the mayor's wife because, you know, obviously she has nothing to gain in this whole thing. And it's not the mistress because she's not even really a mistress. So Angie is then just wailing on Giles, knocking him to the mat as she's asking herself, you know, who actually took those pictures? And uh, so now we cut to the locker room where they continue to talk about the case. As Giles' face is just mangled. Oh, yep. just absolutely swollen. Yep. And of course, he's trying to talk and you can't understand a word he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> and Angie obviously can understand him perfectly. Yes. She's, she's like, Yeah, like you may be onto something there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So from here, we go to Verdugo Valley College, where the, the sign out front is displaying the rapidly rising tuition cost. It's pretty funny. Yes. Uh, inside, we see Professor Lamoureux, played by the great actor Gary Cole, who people Lumber. may know. Yes, from Office Space. And, uh, I'm the... just going to need you to, yeah. <laughs> I'm horrible at impressions. <laughs> He's also the, uh, the voice of Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. Yes. Another excellent show. Yes. He's been all over TV. So anyway, um, Professor Lamoureux is in the middle of one of his nude drawing classes. And so they enter the studio to talk to him, but he interrupts them. And he's like, right away, before they can even ask a question, he's like, it was a scuba gear malfunction. And he's like, I loved her. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, Angie tells him that their visit is actually in regards to an extortion plot. And here he's, you know, he replies, oh. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) And it just smash cuts to them sitting in his office. And uh, so there, Lamro tells him he understands why they may suspect that he's somehow involved, but assures them that the figure models there are treated with the utmost dignity and respect. And uh, now he's even suggesting that Angie would volunteer to support the arts in such a way. But uh, she tells him, no, she doesn't prance around nude for money anymore. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> So from here, he excuses himself to get back to class, but they tell him, you know, he's not supposed to even leave the state now, but he has a wedding in Phoenix and nope, can't nope. go to that. <laughs> Grandmother's birthday. Nope. nope. Tickets to the Harlem Globetrotters. Well, those are hard to come by, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay to go. <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, and, uh, she's like, don't do anything stupid. And uh, he, he replies, I wouldn't think of it as he's sticking a fork in a toaster. Yes. <laughs> so uh, now as they leave the office, Tribeca and Giles remark that Lamoro must be hiding something, but now they just got to have to find a way of getting closer to him. And of course, as they're discussing this, here comes this blonde girl in a black robe asking where Lamoro's class is because she is a nude model. And a funny moment here, because Angie turns to Giles and is like, I think I just got an idea. <laughs> she kind of just stands there and nods quietly. The, the girl, now confused, is like, well, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> and so from here, we cut to black and we get our second commercial break. So when we return, we see Angie and now she's in the black robe with a blonde wig. Like, where'd she get this blonde wig from? And I love that, you know, the professor doesn't recognize her, even though, you know, they were just speaking to each other like yeah. minutes ago. <laughs> no recognition. Tells her that she's late. Yeah. And now Angie walks to the center of the room and disrobes and we cut to Giles. He's outside monitoring the situation in a nearby van and uh, he's communicating with her through his headset. And he's like, uh, where did you put your wire? <laughs> <laughs> so. It's in your bum? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she wouldn't say. She's like, uh, just throw it out when they're done. <laughs> so Lamro walks around the class and he's complimenting the, the uh, student's sketches. And I like where he says to, to one girl, he's like, good, good. <laughs> good. <laughs> we cut to it. And of course, the girl had just drawn out the words good, good on her paper. That's like such a joke you'd see in the, the Naked Gun movies. Yep. Yeah, whole whole bunch of very funny, yes. <laughs> different drawings. Yes, yes. One actually draws uh, mosaic tile censoring on Angie, mm -hmm. and there's one that drew like a five year old. Yep. The stick figures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then sure one was like a drawing of the person in front of them that yep. was drawing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very funny. So as Lamoureux continues to talk about the body being a temple, he compliments Angie saying that, you know, she, look at her, she's not pierced or tattooed. And then he continues on explaining why tattoos are dirty and gross, which of course now makes Tribeca and Giles quite suspicious. Lamoureux even goes on to say that he would go to great lengths to embarrass those that have tattoos, especially ones of, you know, mildly offensive or, or bad jokes. <laughs> so stupid. So... Angie hears this and she's like, well, uh, she asked if he go, would go as far as blackmailing somebody that has tattoos and he thinks about it for a moment and he's like, well, if that person was in a position of power and I could stand to make 4000 then yeah, you bet. <laughs> and so here Angie pulls off the blonde wig and says that the Harlem Globetrotters are going to have to find somebody else in their audience to throw confetti on instead of water. Which is like, the, of course, that old Harlem Globetrotters trick that they do in all of their games and i just love how it's you know again where it's such a parody of all those other like haha we got you one-liners that you see in like you know the csi series and stuff like that yep <laughs> definitely so uh, lamro knows he's been caught or found out so he grabs angie's robe he's like well you can't leave without this and he runs out of the classroom with it and so Angie warns Giles that Lamro is coming his way. So, of course, Giles leaves his van, which, of course, now as he leaves, we see that it's a Ford van. And, of course, <laughs> get the logo on the website. Now, back in the class, Angie begins to pick up some of the student sketches and starts stapling them together. 
So back outside, we get this whole scene now where Giles is chasing after Lamoureux on foot. And, you know, the, we get the stunt double mixing in with the actor. And it's a very, very funny sequence. He's just doing parkour and gymnastics and uh, all this. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, the professor's just slowly jogging away <laughs> at a very, very slow pace. Uh, yeah, and it's just that whole scene is just very, very, you know, well done spoof of it, like the new Hawaii Five-0 series, mm-hmm. especially earlier on. You know, there was always at least one scene where, you know, someone would just do like a flying tackle and like you know like just slam the bad guy like into the side of a dumpster or like through a window uh you know just always at least one ridiculous scene like that which (laughs) i think it still happens now oh probably yeah it just unnecessary flips everywhere Yes, and scene. you do see the uh, the hot dog stand that we saw at the mayor's office. He, they run by that as well. Oh, okay, I didn't catch that. Yep, that's funny. And the uh, the stunt double that we see is uh, he's actually a stunt double in uh, Winter Soldier as well. Oh wow, very nice. He did a great job. I mean, yeah, he's do- he's been in a ton of stuff, but yeah. There's a funny point in the chase where we see Giles do this like really impressive flip off of a table and he stands up as the actor, but in the background we see the stunt double like stand up and walk off as well. Yes. Yeah. It's really funny. <laughs> Pommel horse routine. Yeah, I was going to say, we, we, you know, it's parkour and gymnastics, literally gymnastics, you know, he does this whole routine. And now uh, at the, as this is going on, Angie runs out and she's wearing like a quite nicely made paper dress. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't sure if she made the shoes, too. Oh, did she have shoes on, like paper shoes, too? She had shoes on, but they weren't, I we stopped it, or paused it, and it didn't have anything on them. It didn't look like paper. Okay. But I, I really did think they were, because <laughs> they were black and white, you know. Gotta have the outfit match. Yeah, really. That's funny. Yeah, I didn't even check that. So we see, somehow in this chase, Lamoureux ends up running to a lower level well, uh, Giles is up top, and of course, you know, he's flipping him off. But uh, Giles <laughs> finds this emergency rope, and he lowers himself down quite professionally. He has, like, a, a harness on or something. Yeah, yeah. And he, like, <laughs> runs down the side. <laughs> so through all this, Lamro starts to finally gain some distance on Giles, and as that's happening, we get a beautiful callback to the beginning of the episode where Angie throws a backpack full of tools at him, hitting him in the head and knocking him to the ground. Yeah, that was a great callback to the beginning of the episode. <laughs> Just the, the stupidest weapon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and at this point of the episode, you know, it's like, where'd she get the backpack full of tools? But yeah, there's there's so many more questions beyond that that you just go with it. <laughs> now, uh, Lamoureux tries to explain himself, uh, saying, well, he did it because, you know, the mayor's aesthetic was offensive to him. And they're just like, why didn't you just try to bully him on Facebook or Instagram like any decent human being? and he said he was going to do that but he was going to get the money first and uh, so they place him under arrest and warn him that he's going to a minimum security prison uh, I I like that they toss him a pair of handcuffs to put on himself yes (laughs) Yes. and he grimaced with each one "Ah." (laughs) (laughs) ooh And uh, I think Angie goes on to say here that uh, he's going to spend his days making ponchos and playing mahjong it's a very complicated game. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Lamro struggles, like you said, to cuff himself at this point, and 
you know, he tells Angie, you're nothing but a dumb jerk. Uh, Angie replies, sticks and stones, and Giles adds, yeah, puppy dog puppy tails. puppy dog tails. <laughs> <laughs> so after this, we cut back to the inside of the police department, where we see the Ford logo and website once again, in the middle of the Can't office for we? some reason. <laughs> And uh, Tribeca and Giles, they, they're kind of just sitting there looking back on their first day on the job together. Angie apologizes for her earlier reluctance to take on a partner, and Giles asks if they could grab a beer. That is, if she drinks beer. <laughs> and she says, I don't drink beer. I rent it. <laughs> yeah, and that joke, they are so tickled by this joke. They just share this very long <laughs> laugh. <laughs> And in oh, the yeah, middle of dog like, came back too. Yes, we get David Hoffman smiling once again. <laughs> it's very funny. And so she, you know, Angie agrees she's going to get a drink with Giles, and that they are officially partners. And DJ Tanner, which I can't get enough of that name, it's so funny. <laughs> he runs up to them before they step into the elevator to leave, and he tells Angie, "Yeah, the lieutenant wants to see you again." So. <laughs> The Tanner gives the two of them a serious look, and he says, cut that tension with a knife. Yeah, <laughs> and I just love the, you okay with the partner thing? And he's like, I've got a pretty good feeling about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, of course, what happens as Angie turns and walks away? He falls down the elevator shaft. <laughs> Ooh, somebody call 911. <laughs> yeah, I love that, the cop. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> And so uh, as, as this emergency happens, you know, Angie is smiling to herself and, and walking towards the lieutenant's office. And we end with the words, Angie Tribeca and the closing credits. Now, as we saw here, you know, with Jay Giles falling down and we definitely hear his body make a thud at the bottom of this <laughs> elevator shaft. <laughs> and the cop looks down and so he obviously sees something bad when he looks down this elevator shaft. So we are to assume that this is a fatal accident. Uh, and this was actually going to be the intention. Uh, Hayes MacArthur was only going to be a in this one episode. But I guess they uh, they decided they were going to retool the uh, the pilot. And Hayes MacArthur was added from this point as a series regular. So uh, we were, I guess, going to see Angie's 238th partner at some point. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, when, when we first watched it, uh, I almost wondered if they were going to do that. You know, like just swap out partners like every every episode yeah. or if we were or if we were going to see Giles you know meet some horrible end in every episode <laughs> or uh quintuplets or something like Andy Richter and Arrested Development where it's just like the same guy over <laughs> and over again but uh, no I mean you know he was he was so funny in this that you'd hate to see you know somebody else uh, come in but uh, yeah that was a very funny end a very unexpected end uh to this episode so, uh, so Kevin and Sarah, what are your thoughts now upon watching this show for the podcast? What, what did you think? Oh, I absolutely loved it. <laughs> I, it's, yeah, it, now that we've, you know, done the episode, now we're actually going to go and watch the rest of the season. We kind of had been just holding off on, on watching the rest. So, you know, we wouldn't kind of get mixed up mm -hmm. with, you know, like jokes that happen later in the season or seasons, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> But yeah, no, I absolutely love like the, you know, police squad and naked gun type comedy where it's just real rapid fire and just joke, 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 Yeah, which kind of makes sense that since I liked that stuff that I would love Mystery Science Theater when I discovered that. Sure. I liked it. I find, 
Some of the jokes went a little too long for me, like the claw, <laughs> but that's just maybe my resentment um, <laughs> of trying it so many times growing up. But it, it's I really enjoyed it. I really do. I kind of can't wait to watch the rest of it. So, And I was married into the mystery science theater part. So. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I wrote down some of the other character names uh, that we actually do come across later in the uh, in the season. Okay. Uh, we come across characters named uh, Fisher Price, uh, <laughs> Wilson Phillips, Dr. Zayas, uh, Commissioner Big Fish, Thomas Dolby, Capriccio McGuffin, Diane Duran, uh, and we do actually see a Jesse Tanner, uh, Dennis the Menace, Diet Coke Derek, a John Doe, D-O-U-G-H, and Jane Doe, D-O-U-G-H as well, uh, John Wilkes Booth, and of course, uh, which we mentioned before, uh, Helmut Frontboot. <laughs> yeah, I definitely enjoyed this series. It was, uh, it's like, like you, Kevin, I love that, uh, you know, mystery science theater, rapid fire joke style, and I've always loved uh, the Naked Gun movies and Police Squad, and uh, I never really got to see Sledgehammer, but I've heard that that's also very much like this. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, we saw, you know, season one now start in January 17th. Already, season two is scheduled to premiere June 6th. Yep. The DVD for season one is actually coming out in, I believe, another week or two. Wow. So very quick. Yep. 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 So that, and obviously you can, you know, get it on on demand or, you know, iTunes, Amazon, all that stuff. You can get the uh, video files as well. Yeah, it's everywhere. And and iTunes actually had the first episode for free. Yep. I'm not sure if that's still the case, but uh, that's where I was able to get it. So, that was, yeah, that's great. So, yeah, I definitely recommend, you know, at least checking and definitely grab this episode, you know, if it's still free. One thing I forgot to mention, too, is that Angie Tribeca is a 10-year veteran of a, a very elite unit of the LAPD. Uh, the RHCU, which stands for Really Heinous Crimes Unit. <laughs> so there's so many jokes stuffed in here. And, uh, you know, like we've been saying this whole episode, uh, you, you got to go back and watch it multiple times to actually get everything. You know, there's no way that you can just watch it once and get every joke. It's just like your brain can't move that fast. Can't process information that fast. So, yeah, just... Uh, such a great show. And, you know, it's it's smart and it's stupid. You know, it's it's that stupid humor, but it's played so smartly and uh, written so cleverly that, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely enjoyable for somebody that enjoys, you know, airplane and uh, hot shots and naked gun and all those type of uh, that spoof style of, uh, you know, TV show and movie. In my digging, I found one thing. It's uh, completely unrelated. Go ahead. Uh, Angie's sister, well, Rashida's sister, was engaged to Tupac. Really? Yeah. Really? According to my notes. Interesting. I forget which sister it is. Thank you, IMDb. Yeah, really. (laughs) Now, did you guys see, like, commercials, like, promos for this before it aired? No. Uh, I saw one or two, but, you know, it was as I was fast-forwarding through the commercials, so I really didn't know anything about it i just was you know all i had heard was oh it's a police procedural and was just like oh another one yeah you know exactly (laughs) so i didn't i didn't know it was a comedy i didn't really know what it was it it, like i said until i was popped on the tv and it just happened to be that 
that scene with Keegan Michael Key, <laughs> and I was like, "Wait a minute, what is going on?" So you know, what was funny was I, I set the DVR to record it, and you know, it said you know like the next new episode was like episode four or something like that. But when we went into on demand to start at episode one, they had the entire season like already up. Yeah. So that was when I we were looking online just trying to figure out, okay, well, if we're only at episode four, why do they have the whole season up on on demand already? <laughs> but it's because they had done that 25 hour marathon. So they just after that, they just threw the whole thing up on on demand so you could watch, you know, a marathon on your own. Yeah, that's cool. I don't think I'd ever seen that happen before. Yeah, I don't think I don't think uh, any networks actually done that before. Yeah, quite quite a rollout for a new series. Yeah, going the uh, the Netflix route. Yeah, and uh, watch. Yeah, exactly. And you definitely could, but uh, you know, like you, Kevin, I saw the commercials and I'm like, oh boy, you know, here's another new show. This is a cop show. I don't really watch too many cop dramas. Uh, you know, I, I watched CSI like when it first came on, but. You know, I wasn't really too much into it, and I think they played the commercials early on a little serious, you know, kind of as a joke, and so I didn't really get the joke, because I just thought this was a a serious thing, and I had, I think the first thing I ever saw Rashida Jones in was uh, Boston Public, do you remember that show? Yep. Yeah. And that was, you know, a Fox drama, and so it's like, okay, well, she's doing dramas again, and so I had no idea, and then finally you see some of these uh, actors go on, uh, you know, late night shows and they'll actually show a clip and it's like, oh, this is not only a comedy, this is like an extreme comedy, you know? Yeah. So I was uh, pleasantly surprised by this and uh, yeah, definitely a show I want to see all the episodes of. Yeah, I wasn't too thrilled with her character in The Office, so I wasn't sure how this was going to play out in this because I wasn't, I I don't know, I didn't really know her stuff that much, Mm -hmm. but this was actually really good and, and she was very funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was uh, she was pretty good in uh, you know Parks and Recreation. Yep. And uh, yeah, so she can definitely play drama or comedy. And uh, here she kind of has to do both, you know, because it has to be played very seriously. It uh, yeah, just uh, but everything's played for laughs, which is is so great. Yeah, there's no way I'd be able to be an actor on or an actress on this show because I couldn't hold with keep a straight face. <laughs> no way. <laughs> oh, the blooper reel must be ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, jokes we missed, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com, or you can talk to us on Twitter at Hitting Play. Now, do you guys have anything you want to plug? Sure. Um, the kids unboxing stuff that you can visit <laughs> from um, youtube.com slash K1 Poster Child, and that's K the number one poster child. You can watch the kids open up subscription boxes filled with fun, geeky stuff. Uh, They'd love to see more subscribers. You can find me as One Wall Cinema on Facebook, Instagram, Vine, Twitter. And if you are interested in checking out uh, the Mystery Science Theater type commentary tracks that my brother and I have done, uh, you can go to onewallcinema.com. From there, there's links to uh, where you can buy them on either rifttracks.com or over on uh, our newer stuff is on gumroad.com. We actually have a new riff coming out on May 5th um, that you guys can check out. And uh, if you use the coupon code HITTINGPLAY, um, it'll knock a dollar off of that. Um, That code should work for the brand new 
uh, Barbers of Riffsville, and uh, our older uh, Conan the Barbarian riff as well. Awesome. Uh, and I can be found on Twitter at One Wall Cinema. Um, same thing on Instagram and Vine. Very good. Uh, I'm on Twitter as well. My name there is at MC and Friends. You can follow me there. Uh, I'm also on Vine. There I do flip page cartoons and humorous animations. Uh, there my name is also MC and Friends. You can follow me there. Uh, if you listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It really helps us out. And if you do, you will get a shout out on the show. And we try to be creative with those. Uh, for Android users, we are also available to stream and or download on Stitcher. We can be found on TuneIn Radio, and we are now finally on the Google Play Music app. So check us out there as well. Uh, also for uh, iTunes users, there's been some sort of iTunes glitch lately. I've heard other podcasts have been having problems with it. So uh, two happen to be uh, non-searchable, and they don't show up in the listings. Uh, if you subscribe to us and you refresh the feed, they will show up. That is, uh, the, the two missing episodes are the Rogue One trailer review that we did, as well as the uh, the breakdown of the movie One Crazy Summer with uh, comedian Greg Murphy, who also was the Bob Craft guy on the Weiner line. So uh, those episodes are there, but uh, for some reason they're not showing up on iTunes, but they are available on the other platforms. Well, we have been Sarah, Kevin, and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. You okay with this partner thing? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> I failed yet again.